This is the Immigrant View with Ayo Oweduni. Hello, everyone. Uh, you are welcome to the Immigrant View today. My name is Ayo Oweduni. Really excited to have you here. Thank you very much for your time. Okay, I have a very cool, special guy. He is. Um, uh, I learned the word shenanigan from him. <laughs> Start with that, Mike. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, it's so funny that you made mention of that because when you sent the invitation to be a part of this podcast, that's the first thing I thought of. And, you know, I think back to the day I was using it so much on my radio show. And I'll tell you, it's, <laughs> it's one of the safest words I could use on the radio for what I really wanted to say, you know? <laughs> you know, I have never heard that word. You used it for like three straight callers. No, this is shenanigan. <laughs> and I'm like, what the heck does that mean? You know, the the so uh, I have today on the show. Let me introduce you. By the way, uh, his name is Mike Farwell. He's the radio host of the Mike Farwell Show on five seventy AM. Mike, by the way, before I even get started, I, I um. I had never heard of 570 AM uh, before. The first time I heard it was from a police officer. And I remember laughing. I'm like, what is that? Like, I don't even know what, wh how to find my AM. Until I had to come on your show to do a 10-minute segment where um, we talked about Adventure for Change. But then I started to tune in. And oh, my gosh, like the information that is poured out from 7 a.m. all the way to noon, you know, it's just phenomenal. And I'm blown away by the work that, that you guys do. I'm always trying to listen in as best as possible. I downloaded an app on my phone so I can listen now and not have to look for a radio. I love it. You know? um, but I think most importantly for me, the part that I love most about your show is there are times when you talk about what was discussed at like Waterloo region and you know you discuss you know uh, what they voted for you know whether it's something as simple as a stop sign or trash cans being picked up you know like the local news and I find that that uh, really really amazing because usually I think we tend to focus so much on federal and we don't even know who our mayor is or your counselor or what ride and you're you, you sit in you know all those little minute details and, and you are like put it in our faces like this is what was discussed and this affects your neighborhood this week so let's talk about it i'm opening up the phone lines like you do that so well and, and i just wanted to say um thank you thank you for that well, thank you in return. I really appreciate to hear that. And I'll be honest with you, it's my favorite thing to do on the show. Of course, there are issues federally and provincially to talk about, but I'm born and raised in this city. And what I always remind people of, because when you're born and raised here, it's just, it's just kind of your city. It's your place to live, right? You've always been here and you don't really think about what it might look like to somebody else. And mm -hmm. as I got older and I got involved in this job and I started to learn how things work and why they work that way, I wanted to remind people as often as I could that we live in the 10th largest community in the entire country. Wow. 
Yeah. And and I think that for many of us who have been here our whole lives, we don't think of it that way. And so really why I want to focus on what's going on locally is because I want people to know. I want people to be engaged in it because when you're the 10th largest community in all of Canada, other communities are looking at you. And I don't want us to look bad. I don't want us to look behind. I don't want us to look dumb. So I want to keep us all involved and I want to hold the leadership in this community to account for the decisions that they make. So it's absolutely my favorite thing to do. That's well, that's wonderful. I, I used to be a morning show host for a radio show uh, many years ago in Nigeria, but we never did any of those things. Like we focused so much on federal, like sure. we never paid attention to local. I think on to a day someone was complaining and I'm like, the federal government is not responsible for that road. It's the local government. Like, come on. <laughs> and they're like, the president needs to fix the road. I'm like, That's not his job. <laughs> it's your local government. Who is your local government, you know, chairman? And the person didn't know who it was, you know, and I didn't know who it was at that point either. Uh, and so, yeah, man, you guys are doing a fantastic job. But today we're here to actually talk about the federal election. Okay, that's fair. We could do that, though. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason why I thought this was important, I had a friend who... Um, who studied political science back in school, back home where we came from in Nigeria, moved over here. And I said, hey, have you ever thought about, you know, staying in politics? And he was like, heck no, <laughs> you know, never. And I was wondering why. And he was like, you know, after everything I saw back home, like I am never touching uh, anything politics, you know, with a 10 foot pole type of thing. And I'm like, that is very interesting. Uh, but the reality is with more immigrants that are coming in, um, if we don't pay attention to this, decisions are being made on a regular and daily basis that it's going to affect you and I, and we need to get involved as immigrants. So I just thought Mike would be someone, um, I, I know in the past few weeks, you've probably, I think you've interviewed someone from the Conservative Party uh, on your show, you've interviewed people from different parties. So I thought, you know what, this is a person that I hope will be as fair as possible to be able to lay out the different parties and, you know, what they're known for and those types of things. And also just encourage and challenge people uh, to really go out there and, and vote. So, yeah, thanks for your time for this. So um, why? Tell us your history around elections. I want to I want to start out with that. When did you start paying attention to this stuff? It's probably been close to about 20 years now. Mm -hmm. uh, the very first time I worked at 570 News was in the late 90s, but that was just a brief stop. And then I came back in about 2003. And that's when I got more and more involved and I would cover those local council meetings as part of my job. So it's almost 20 years now. And how many elections have we had since that time? I mean, we went through a few minority governments with Stephen Harper and Paul Martin, and now we're in a minority government with Justin Trudeau. So, and then all the provincial elections and municipal elections that happen that way. So I honestly couldn't tell you how many elections it's been, but it's been about 20 full years of covering politics at every level. Hmm. Thanks. So let, let's, what does minority and majority government actually mean? Could you explain uh, that to us? Yeah. So in the federal government of Canada or our parliament, our House of Commons, there are 33 seats. So there are, pardon me, 338 seats. So there are 338 people elected from across Canada, mm -hmm. and each one of those 338 people 
represents a geographic area. So here in our community, in the region of Waterloo, we have five members of parliament that are among that 338 total. We have five okay. different geographic ridings in our community. Mm -hmm. And in order to uh, have a majority government, you need to have more than 50% of that 338 seats. So that'd be 170. You need okay. to have 170 of your candidates need to win anywhere in the country. And then mm -hmm. you have a majority government, anything less than 170. And you might have more than the others, but you don't have enough to have fully half of that mm -hmm. membership. Mm -hmm. And so that becomes the minority. Mm -hmm. Okay. And when you are a minority, I guess for uh, bills and things to be passed, you need collaboration with other parties at that point? You got it. That's exactly the way it works. And okay. if I can just go on a quick tangent, that's why I like minority governments a little bit better, because mm. you are forced, in order to pass something, you need 170 votes. So if you only have 145 members of that government, mm -hmm. you still have to find those other 25 votes because you don't have them in your own party. So you mm. have to find a way to work with at least one other party to get an idea that you have passed. So mm. right now, for the last couple of years with the liberals, we've been in a minority situation. So anything that they wanted to do, any support for COVID-19, any legislation like about gun control that they talk about a little bit, anything mm. like that, they needed to find the support of another party to get enough votes to get more than 50% across the board. I like that. So does that give, why is there a call for an early election at this point? <laughs> I believe. Like, see, I'm, I'm trying. I know exactly. It's all about shenanigans. I'm trying not to be too cynical, Io. But it looks like what has happened is the Liberal government under Justin Trudeau saw an opportunity to turn their minority government into a majority. They thought they could win the extra thirty or so seats that they needed to form mm -hmm. a majority government, and that way, if they are successful. They don't have to get any other party's support to push through a new law. They can just right. have all the votes that they need. So there is an opportunity there for the government, and it makes life a little bit easier. It gives you, as the leader of the governing party, just that little bit more power. And it looks to me, it really does, that the liberals saw an opportunity in the polls. They were looking pretty popular, and they thought, you know what, if we call this election right now, we might be able to have a majority government instead of a minority government. And it's it's tough that we, we are doing this when we are because we have fixed election dates in Canada. These, mm -hmm. these elections are supposed to occur every four years, but the government of the day has decided they're not going to pay attention to that little rule that they made, and they're going to call the election early. So I'm guessing there's a law that basically says any government in power can call for an early election anytime? That's right. It's, I, and I, I don't know all of the details and how it works, but yes. So even though the rule is in place, it seems like the rule is only there in spirit. The elections happen mm -hmm. every four years, but if you really want to, inside of that four years, you can force the election like the Liberals have done now. Okay. Okay. So let's walk through the current parties. Uh, so we have the Conservatives, we have uh, the Liberals. Um, we have NDP, and then um, we have the Green Party, and I think I've seen one, the PPC. 
Yes. Am I right on that? Okay. You are. I've seen a sign on that. So yeah, can you walk us through um, as many of those as possible? And then what would you say are like the main, should I call it talking points or this is what we stand for as a party? And also, does that even evolve over time? Absolutely yes to the last point. There is very much an evolution of what a party stands for and what those talking points might be. And it's really interesting. I can tell you that today in 2021, what we look at now as the liberal talking point or point of view about 20 years ago, maybe a little bit more than 20 years ago when I really started following this, the ideas that the liberals have today would have been conservative ideas. 20 mm. to 30 years ago. So the parties do evolve over time. And, and so, so too then do voters. Some people are always going to vote the same way, but the parties evolve over time. And it seems like an idea that was one party's idea a generation ago is now a different party's idea. It's, it's mm. really rather interesting when you start getting into the details of it. Generally speaking, and I'll touch briefly on the Green Party uh, became a party and, and gained official party status in Canada, uh, with really a focus on the environment. That was hence the name. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was its real primary focus. We were talking a lot more about global warming or climate change, and the Green Party came along. And And today, they, they try to distance themselves from being known as just the party that's about the environment. You know, they've got economic policies, they've got a variety of other policies, but really, we still look at them as the the environment party. Right. The PPC is a, is a really interesting uh, party. It's, it's very new. It, it only formed uh, before the last election in 2019. Okay. They, they do not have any seats right now in the House mm -hmm. of Commons. Their mm -hmm. leader had wanted to be, and he ran to be the leader of the Conservative Party, but he lost. And when he lost, he went out and formed his own party. Hmm. And I wish I could give you a better understanding of how you just go about starting a party and saying like, because I'd like to start the Iowa and Mike party. I think we'd have a really good party, you know? Hate the but shenanigans. It will get, it'll be the shenanigans party. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but they formed their own party. And as I understand it now, we still give them what we call official party status because they're able to find a candidate to run in every riding across the country. So that means 338 people from across Canada in the various areas have said, yes, I'm going to run for the People's Party of Canada, the PPC. Mm -hmm. And and really what the PPC is all about, it's it's a lot of the conservative values, but it would be it would be to the extreme right side of our political spectrum. So they're I'll tell you what, to the audience that we're talking to today, Mm -hmm. They they stand very strongly against increasing immigration targets, for mm -hmm. example. That is one of their key talking points. Mm -hmm. So it's very much a fringe party. And again, just being honest, I'll give you my opinion. I hope they don't win a single seat because a lot of their ideas uh, frighten me a little bit. I don't think they're very inclusive. I think they have a very narrow view of what Canada is all about. But that's mm -hmm. who they are. Okay. Uh, the New Democrats, I always find mm -hmm. interesting. The NDP, the New Democratic Party. They are very much, in my opinion, uh, a liberal party, but even a little bit further to the left, a little bit more on the progressive side of things. They're really looking out for the individual. They, they want to have what we would call big government. The government would be involved in a, a lot of different areas of your life. So 
a couple of key things from the New Democrats, a national pharmacare program where you get uh, some government subsidy to buy medications that you need, which I think is an excellent idea, frankly. Mm-hmm. There, is, uh, there is talk from the New Democrats about a universal basic income, which would replace a variety of the programs that we have in place in this country, like employment insurance and disability programs. And it would take them all away and just put one program in place that says, Io, you lost your job. You got really sick. You're not able to work. But with our universal basic income program, Mm -hmm. you're going to get $22,000 a year to look after yourself. And I think that's roughly the number that's been created in the plan, but it it basically guarantees every Canadian a minimum income so that they can live on it if they cannot go to work. That's another key piece of what the new Democrats talk about. And then they also look at the, the wealthiest people in this country and they say, you know what, you really rich people. And I don't know if you've heard this, Io, but there's a lot of talk in this country and many others where the more money you have the more money you're able to hang on to because you can get the the best accountants and the best lawyers and you can hide money in this country over here and that country Mm -hmm. over there. And the the NDP Mm -hmm. say, we want to bring an end to all of that. And Mm -hmm. we want to make the super rich or the ultra rich, as they call them, pay their fair share of taxes. So if they get more tax money in, we have more money to spend on different programs for other Canadians. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So those would be the green, the PPC and the NDP. And I leave the liberals and conservatives until last because really in this country, even though we have four Greens, NDP, conservative, liberal, four viable political parties. Yes, the PPC is there, but I hope they're not there after this election. Uh, Even though we have those four parties, really in Canada, it's always been either the conservatives or the liberals. So if you think about this in the United States context, You've got Mm -hmm. the Democrats and the Republicans. Mm -hmm. In Canada, the Liberals are your Democrats. The Conservatives are your Republicans, generally speaking. So even though there are all these parties looking for your votes, and and they will win some, every party will get some votes, it always comes down for whatever reason to either the Liberals or the Conservatives. Mm. And the Conservatives tend to be two things, generally. They tend to be the party that says, we're going to be really responsible financially. We're going to balance the budget. We're going to cut taxes and we're going to be really tough on crime. Those are two things, generally speaking, that the Conservative Party focuses on. And the Liberal Party is is a little bit different when it comes to overall policies. They look at a lot of things like the New Democrats do. A pharmacare program is something that the liberals talk about. A national daycare program is something the liberals are talking about right now, which I think is a really good plan to to help out families. They're much more inclined, the liberals are, to invest in social programs Mm -hmm. to help you out if you're not doing well for whatever reason. The liberal government will be there to make sure that there's a safety net beneath you. Mm -hmm. That tends to be the way the two parties, liberals and conservatives, distinguish themselves. Okay, thanks for that. Now, uh, just a disclaimer, I have not decided what party that I'm supporting. Um, I I have friends in probably almost every party and had really great conversations. um, And I'm like, you know what, 
I'm going to download their manifestos and I'm going to sit down and read it. And I'm going to pull my pointers from there, write down what my values are, which one is closest, uh, make it work. Th that was the plan. But then the manifesto is like 100 pages long. <laughs> and there are like 20 things uh, that are on there, you know, and all these other things that, that are part of it. And I'm just thinking to myself, how in the world do you make a decision off of I mean, yeah, we're here, we're talking about daycare, we're talking about climate control um, and the economy. But when you start going through the manifesto, there are like 20 other speaking points and areas that they're promises. So what is your advice for immigrants as you're coming in and you're saying, okay, which party do I want to say, this is going to be my party? How do you make that decision? How did you make your decision? Oh, that is a, that is a great question. So a couple of things. First of all, I love what you did. I, I really do. I wish everybody would take the time. But you're absolutely right. These, these manifestos that are released during an election campaign, if you started reading on day one, you wouldn't be able to finish all of them by the time it's, it's time to vote. So I would still say my advice, and, and given my experience, I would say do that. Still, that's the best way to do it. But instead of reading every single line and every single word in that manifesto, look at what the, the big pieces of the platforms are. So are they talking about uh, affordable housing? Are they talking about climate change? Are they, and if, if they are, and these things appeal to you, and then you say, well, this party's talking about it, but so is that party. So like, have your checklist. What's important to IO? right? Okay, this party's talking about it, this party's talking about it, and make your little checklist. And then if you have more than one party talking about the same thing, you know, pick your top three or your top five, and then read a little bit more of the detail. And are they doing it better than the other guys? And it is a lot of work. It really is a lot of work. The, the other thing I would say during an election, if nothing else, I would recommend watching the debates that are televised, the leaders' debates. If if English is not a strong suit, if if your language, your first language is not English and it's tough to understand, that can be that can definitely be challenging. But if you're able to to watch the debate and listen to the leaders talk, I think that'll give you a really good idea as to where you might want to put your vote. For for me, for somebody that's that's been here for my whole life, I, I think that I'm pretty sure when I look back to my earliest votes. And I've voted in every election I've been able to since I turned 18. But early on, my political views, not deliberately, but were shaped by my parents, right? The, obviously, whatever their values were, were also instilled in me. And without even thinking about it, oh, yeah, I'm going to check this box because that's kind of what I got used to. I've changed as I grew up, as I, as I learned more and I pay more attention. But uh, yeah, so for somebody that's been here as long as I have, it just it's something early on that it's just the way you were raised. Your parents' values become your values and their values are there because of the way they voted. Mm, makes a lot of sense. Thanks for that. So how can you tell when a promise is total BS? Oh my goodness. So um, when the shenanigans start. <laughs> <laughs> the reason why I asked that is it's you know, during the campaign, I remember in Nigeria, 2015, the pres the current presidents, you know, gave all these promises. And I remember I sat at a meeting with the vice president and a group of other media personnel, and he walked us through PowerPoint presentations of every promise, every strategy they were going to use, and yada, yada, yada. 
But here we are six years later and everything is upside down. It's complete chaos, you know, and all those promises, when you look back, they did none of them. And here I am again in a new country. Then you start hearing promises, you know, about um, the, the, you know, the child care and uh, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. How do you know when it's like, you know what? you're not even balancing the budget at this point. How are you so sure this is going to really work out at the end of the day? Does this mean my taxes are going to be raised at the end of the day? Like all those minute details. So, cause I fear sometimes that I can get caught up in the emotion of the commercial, you know, or in the emotion of, you know, this person said this, but we're not going to do that. We're going to do it this way. And you're like, yes, you know, uh, but then two years later, you start hearing a different story of, oh, this happened and that happened. And people are not answering the questions that you ask them at debates or things like that. So how do you figure out this is total BS? Don't listen to this. And you know what? He is standing by his word. I, I, I have no idea <laughs> if it's Un even possible. You know what? Unfortunately, it's not possible. And again, I, I really hate to say that because I want anybody who's listening to this podcast today to, to take 30 minutes or an hour before September the 20th, mm -hmm. do some learning and, and cast the very best vote that they can. I, I really want to see that happen. But the reality is, Io, you're right. It's no different here, sadly, than the situation you just described back home in Nigeria. You, you can't tell which promise is going to be kept and which one will be broken. I, I can promise you that the manifestos that are created and the promises that you hear, they mean them in the moment. It's they they've they've crunched the numbers. They've they've run the costing. They know they can do this. It just becomes a much different story when they get into government. And you mentioned 2015, and that's when the Liberal Party and Justin Trudeau came to power in Canada. And I voted for Justin Trudeau in 2015 for a, a number of reasons, but my biggest reason was because he promised, he promised in 2015 that we would have electoral reform in Canada. We would start doing elections with a different voting system. And I was excited for that because I think we need to do that in this country. And I owe, he didn't, he didn't keep the promise. And I'm mm -hmm. so, I'm still upset about it. So I did not vote for him in 2019 because that was the one, that was the biggest promise to me. And mm -hmm. he didn't, he didn't keep it. And I was so upset. So there have been all kinds of ideas for many, many years now to create something like a, a politician's, uh, uh, promise to keep promises. I can't remember the name of the document, but people have tried to make this like, if you break your promise, you get fired, but we've never been able to actually create it. So unfortunately, every election campaign in this country comes with a whole lot of promises. And unfortunately, not all of, or even many of the promises end up being kept. Mm. Mm. Wow. Yeah, it's it's really unfortunate. Well, I, I guess it's like that in, in many parts of the world as well, where it, a promise is shared and politicians speak to your heart in certain ways. They know what the issues that matter to you. And if you elect me, you know, and all these amazing things. You've got it. That's right. That's right. <laughs>
Then later on, it's like, oh, that's a provincial matter. That's not a federal matter. Or, exactly. <laughs> uh, we're looking into that. Or they answer a question. You're like, that's not the question that was asked. Like, <laughs> They're very good at that. How do you get gain talent in that? You know, what are your thoughts on this? You know, five years ago when we did this over here, like, what are you talking about? It has nothing to do with this. This is very interesting. Thank you so much, Mike. Um, uh, my advice and encouragement for listeners just like me, I'm a permanent resident. I'm not a citizen yet, so I'm not even allowed to vote um, until we become a citizen. But I, I think for, for many of us who are in that place, uh, my advice is don't wait till when you become a citizen to start saying, OK, let me pay attention to what's going on. But start now, start getting involved now so at least you can start noticing you know, what the promises were four years ago and where they are four years afterwards and what are being said now in, um, in line with what is going to be there in four years as well. We need to start thinking about that. Data, data shares that um, new immigrants have the lowest turnout uh, when it comes to um, voting. And by the time we're here for 20 years, that's when the numbers match Canadians who have been here all their lives uh, in terms of uh, vote turnout. Um, and for me, it's like, why wait 20 years to start doing this? Like, why can't you start now as well, soon as possible for this? And I'm, I'm sorry to jump in, but I, I want to just touch on that because of what you said at the beginning too, Aya, where you, you talked to a friend who was in politics back home and said, not a chance he would do that here. I would encourage anyone, please, because you and, and your friends are Canada's future. Mm -hmm. And so the sooner we can encourage you, and I know it's it's so hard, says says me, right? The guy that's been here his whole life and has had so many opportunities. But like I, I can only imagine how difficult it is. But if you can start and and really try, then I think we'll will shrink that number. Instead of 20 years, it might be 10 because you'll have somebody like you. To vote for you'll have you'll have your perspective shared in our politics and that's the way I, I shouldn't even say in our politics but in the politics of canada because mm -hmm. i think that really has to happen i really mm -hmm. believe that mm -hmm. fantastic mike this has been delightful thank you so much for your time i do appreciate it i it's been great for me thanks so much for inviting me my man mike farwell 5 70 a.m you got to tune in uh, it's a very there's a rock song you guys play every when your show starts. I'm like, yes, I gotta get the do. name of that song. That song is awesome. I'm glad you brought that up. The song is called Working Man. The band is Rush, and they are the greatest rock band in the entire world. Okay, they're my favorite, but they are the best. I tell you right now, I love them. That's awesome. I gotta get that song. Thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Io.